You are listening to the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number five. Hi, everyone. Today, I would like to talk about grief. A downer, right? I know. But I think it's something that we deal with very often in our profession. And I think that's something that we need to really get a handle on. I think it's a very important topic and something that I don't want us not to face. I want to get it out there in the open so we can all feel secure in anything that we're feeling around this subject and talk about it. Because We are such a unique profession that we have to deal with this day in, day out. It's it's rare that any other profession has to deal with grief as much as we do. So I want to talk about that today and see if we can uh, learn something about it together. I really think that there's not a correct way for people to grieve. So that is going to be my point in this whole thing is grieving is something that everybody does and always in a different way. As a veterinarian for a long time, I've had to deal with grief and we all have. When a pet gets a bad diagnosis, we deal with grief. Grief when a pet's life comes to an end. In a blog, that I wrote a couple weeks ago. I wrote about how I feel that grief and love go hand in hand and that we need to embrace grief as a part of love. And I really do believe that. It got me to thinking about it. And I believe that there would be no love um, if we didn't have grief. It, It goes hand in hand. And so if we want to have the benefits of love and feeling love and loving our pets and our family and basically anything in life, we have to wrap our minds around the fact that grief is going to come along with that at some point in time. And that's okay. Half of our life is supposed to feel bad and negative because if we didn't have those bad feelings, then we wouldn't recognize the good feelings. So let's talk about the different stages of grief. I was talking to my husband about this subject when I was getting ready to blog about it, and he reminded me of a class that he took in college uh, that we've talked about um, before because we both kind of have an interest in this, this subject. My husband was raised in a family um, where his father was a surgeon, And so he dealt with that a lot um, with his dad in losing patients and his dad going through the grief and the feelings of failure when something doesn't go right with a surgery. And because of what I do, I also have to deal with the subject a lot. And so my husband's quite interested in it. So we, as we were talking about it, he reminded me of this class that he took and Um, He reminded me of 
a book called On Death and Dying um, by a person called Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And so I started investigating that and, and reading it, which I had read that book before, um, but I hadn't remembered every bit of it. So I started looking into that again. And basically in the book On Death and Dying, um, she talks about the stages of grief. And this other person, Dr. David Kessler, also helped her write this book. And in this book, they talk about the stages. And um, David Kessler wrote that the stages are responses to loss that many people have, but there's not a typical response to loss and that there's no typical loss. So grief is unique as the person that's experiencing it. I find that to be so true in my experience with grief uh, of my own over various things that have happened in my life and grief that I deal with with my clients and the loss of their pets or when I'm giving them bad news. So the the pre-grief, as I call it, that clients experience when you give them bad news. They go through these same stages of grief, even though their pet is not gone, but because you've given them a bad diagnosis, they have to process it. And part of that processing is this pre-grief, which I don't even know that that that's a real thing, Um, but I feel that it is. I feel that we grieve before the situations many times, even much worse than during the actual death or situation. We pre-grieve sometimes more seriously than we grieve. The five stages of grief that they write about are number one, denial, number two, anger, number three, bargaining, number four, depression, and number five, acceptance. David writes that not everybody goes through these stages of grief in that order, and not everyone experiences all of them. But in some way, these five stages are manifested um, in different orders, sometimes in different ways, and some people drop off one of the one of the stages, but for the most part, you can bet that your clients or you are going to go through these stages when you experience something that causes grief. And this can doesn't have to be a death. I mean, grief can be caused by a breakup, a divorce. You can grieve the loss of a home. You can grieve the loss of your job, which I did one time uh, when I was quite quite a bit younger, I got fired from a job and guaranteed I went through all these stages in a really significant way. That was a very tough experience for me. And so I did have to grieve it. The first stage that I want to talk about is denial. And what denial is, is confusion and shock. It's the brain's way of guarding us from our emotions that our brain knows is coming. So it goes into the stage of denial. We block reality. 
We don't have to feel the terrible emotions that we know are coming. The denial is a block to help us avoid the reality. And until we have the capacity to feel it, your brain tries to protect you. Uh, I remember going through this uh, when I lost my first dog as a young adult. It was before I had my children and it was my first uh, real dog. And I couldn't face the fact that I was going to have to let this dog go. And I couldn't face the fact that I was going to have to make that decision to let her go. It was very difficult. And so for the longest time, I just denied that it was something that was going to have to happen. Because I was young, I think that denial stage lasted longer than it would for me today if I experienced a, a deep grief but I've definitely gone through it. So denial is our way um, of our brain blocking the situation. You'll see this when you give bad news to a client and they get angry about the fact that, you know, how do you know? And what they'll, they'll question you. They'll say, well, he was fine yesterday. How can he have cancer today? And um, he hasn't even been vomiting, and how could he have this? And they'll question the things that you're telling them, and that is part of their brain going through denial. So recognize it for what it is and don't take it personally. When someone's questioning your diagnosis or they're fighting you on it, that is their brain bringing up denial for them to try to block that strong emotion that is going to well up behind that denial. So go along with it, answer their questions, be patient. And if they get to the point where they just don't believe you, realize that deep down they probably do believe you, but their brain's just not letting them at this point in this stage because they have to fully process their denial. The second stage that most people go through, um, and it often comes in this order, but not always, is anger. Anger is the second stage. And anger is the thing that gives grief structure. It makes us feel stronger around our grief. We might feel angry towards another person. We'll get angry at the current situation. Some people will rail against God and get angry at God. It makes us feel more in control than the denial does because the denial feels very chaotic and confusing. Once our brain processes that denial a little bit, then we get angry. And the angry is the angry part of it is just um, the un underlying pain coming to the surface. We lash out and it makes us feel more in control of something that we really can't control. I have experienced personal anger when losing a family member, angry at the situation, the unfairness of it all. And I can remember going to that place of feeling anger that that person left us unfairly. And it feels, it feels unfair. And so that causes anger. I have many times been on the receiving anger, at the receiving end of anger. 
Because as a veterinarian, our clients often go to this stage and they take it out on us because we're the ones delivering the bad news or we're the ones that have to deal with the death and counsel these people through these stages. And so because we're handy and because we're strong, the client will often throw their anger at us. And I've, I've seen it. I felt it. I've been in the room with clients that get very angry. And I think the way you have to remember to handle that is that you cannot take it personally. You have to understand that it is their grief talking. It's not really them. And that's the way I like to look at it. If somebody's angry at me and saying mean things or, you know, they're angry at the situation, they're just expressing anger, they might not be saying mean things to me, but they're upset at the situation. If I can remember not to take it personally and realize that that is their grief talking and it's necessary, they need to go through this part in order to naturally grieve then I can be more compassionate to them around this anger and not take it personally and not let it affect me. I I can just stand there and feel super strong that I get to be the person that they are feeling angry at or with. And I can help them process that anger and get around it so they can continue on through their grief. Remember that anger is part of this process and don't take it personally. And that is a challenge. I totally get it because it feels really awful when someone's angry, even if they're not angry at you, but they're just angry and you're in the same room with them. It feels terrible. It feels yucky. You know, who wants to be in a room with a really angry person? But if you can teach your mind to accept that as a natural part of grief, that will help you so much into it not affecting you and not hurting you and you not carrying it into the rest of your day because you can be compassionate about it and understand why this person is as angry as they are and that they will come out of it on the other end. And they'll be sorry probably if they're angry at you or if they take it out on you. They will often come back and apologize But even if they don't, you can handle it because you're a strong individual and you're a professional and you understand because you've more than likely been through some situation that you can relate to this anger. The third stage of the natural grieving process is bargaining. It's often the third stage. However, I have seen it mixed. Uh, Many times with denial, I see the bargaining. A lot of people will jump back and forth from denial to bargaining, back to denial, and sometimes they'll even throw in a little bit of anger. So bargaining is us thinking, if only, and I wish, or I should have. Those are the kind of statements that will come with bargaining. People will say, if only I had done something differently, this could not or would not be happening. We might say, I wish that I would have brought this pet in earlier. I wish I would have paid closer attention or I should have 
been there with this pet as it was getting sick. So I would have known what to do, or I would have known um, to bring them in. And we as veterinarians will sometimes say, I wish or I should have when a case doesn't go the way we want it to. And that is part of our grief um, of the situation and trying to bargain our way through it. We will often do some bargaining around a severely ill pet that is presented to us. We will think, why didn't this pet get to me sooner? Or why did this person wait so long? I know I sometimes flippantly say, wow, they rushed him right in, which is super sarcastic, but sometimes my brain comes up with that. And we think that we could have done more had we gotten that pet sooner. And so we will bargain around a really sick pet because we know that pet's going to die and we don't want it to die. So we'll go through some bargaining. And that bargaining allows us to remain in the past. It allows us to avoid the reality of the situation that we're facing. Uh, the bargaining seems to crop up um, I think over and over again as we navigate through a grief and we will sometimes question um, euthanasia decisions, our own personal ones, and clients will question theirs. And that is part of the bargaining thing. Well, what if I would have waited another week to put him to sleep? Would he have gotten better? Or maybe I should have brought him in a week earlier because now he's suffering so much and that was a wrong decision. So this whole bargaining thing can get really ugly because sometimes it turns into people blaming um, themselves or it turns into us blaming the clients, which is really not productive. It doesn't help anybody. So bargaining around a bad situation is just your brain buffering it and not wanting to accept it. The fourth stage um, is probably, I think, the hardest one to deal with, and it can be the worst one for a lot of people, um, but that's depression. And depression can be really short-lived, and people can get through it very quickly, or it can be very, very long-lived and get dangerous even. So depression is one that we have to be particularly aware of and careful about. Once people let go of the bargaining portion of their grief, they feel the true weight of the situation. Then their brain fully has fully embraced the reality that something bad has happened. It's not just feeling sad, but it's feeling really, really lost. The realization that somebody is gone and is not coming back is very profound. And there comes with that a great sadness. And it's a very appropriate response. You know, depression kind of gets a bad rap. Um, it can be a super serious disease. It can be something that people have a really hard time coming out of. But it also is very appropriate. You know, it's right to be depressed when something bad happens. It's one of the steps that we all need to go through to move on um, through this grief. 
There's not a proper way to deal with this stage of depression, except to say that getting help from other people is super important. We need to talk through our grief with a family member, a friend, a support group, um, a therapist, and that step is often needed to navigate through this stage of depression. Remember that pets are a significant part of our lives and our clients' lives, and we don't want them to feel ashamed of talking about their grief to other people. It will help them to progress through this depression stage and move on into the final stage of grief. Remember that in your own grieving, that talking to somebody is super important. So whether it is you grieving a case that didn't go well or a pet that dies in your practice, it's not your pet, but is a client's pet that you feel terrible about, make sure you talk about it either to one of your colleagues or your team members. And if it's really something that you're getting stuck in this loop of depression over Make sure you talk to somebody that understands this process. If you need to go to a counselor, a grief counselor, or even a therapist, don't be ashamed to do so because that is why they're there. And that is why other people are there to help us all get through this crazy thing called life, which along with that comes grief. So remember that getting help from a support group or a therapist is often necessary for your client. And you can make that suggestion, you know, give them the tools that they need to find help and offer to have them talk to you. And if you personally can't handle it, then have them talk to a professional and you can do so as well if you're having trouble processing your grief. So remember that part of getting through this fourth stage of depression is talking, and that will help you work through it and come out on the other side. The fifth stage that we all want to come out to is acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean being okay. It doesn't mean that we're okay or happy with the loss. We're not feeling good about it. And we're not just moving on. Like some people say, just move on. That's not what it's about. Acceptance is just being there and knowing that it is reality. You're accepting the reality of your pet being gone, but you're not going to forget. The pet is not forgotten. Accepting that life has changed and it will be forever different but you're still going to go forward. I see acceptance in a really special way as a veterinarian when people adopt a new pet after a loss. That is a huge sign to me that that person is moving through their grief and has gone on to acceptance. They're not replacing the love that they had for the deceased pet but they've accepted the loss and they've chosen to love another. And so when I see a person returning to me after a death or a euthanasia of a pet with another pet, whether it's a new puppy or kitten or whether it's an older pet, 
but they've just decided to give their love to another, that is awesome to me. And I love to see that. And I know that that means that they are moving through their grief and they are to the point where they've accepted it. They've accepted that it's a reality. I personally spent a year after I lost my last two dogs. Um, I had two dogs at the same time. Um, They both got old and I lost them within about four months of each other. And I had always had two dogs. That was kind of my habit. I would get one and then I'd get another. And then when the second one passed away, I'd get another one. And that was kind of how I liked my dog family to be, two dogs. So when I had two die at this pretty much the same time and within the same year, it took me a little while to get to the point where I wanted to get another dog. I think I was to the acceptance stage well before I got another dog, but after about a year, I decided to replace another pet in my life, Um, not replace my old dogs, but get another dog. And when my house was feeling empty, I adopted my current Sheltie that I have right now named Trent. And when I got him, I was super happy that I had another dog, but it didn't take the place of the two that I had lost. But because my life felt empty without a dog, I got another one. And now I have another one. So I have two dogs actually at this point. But that it was part of the acceptance for me is opening my heart after I had lost my two other beloved dogs, opening my heart to Trent and bringing him into my home. So that's our fifth stage, acceptance. And when you see a client returning to you with another pet, realize that they're still grieving They don't want to forget that other pet, so make sure you acknowledge the fact that they've been through a sad time. I mean, I often say to people, wow, doesn't isn't it nice to have another life in the house? It doesn't replace the other pet, but it gives you something else to focus on. And they usually agree with that, that that's part of the process. So I wanted to talk about this subject and going through these stages of grief today because I just think it's something very important for us to keep in mind when we're going through grief in our own life, whether you know it's at work with our patients and our clients or whether it's something in our personal life that we're grieving. I think it's a really good thing to acknowledge that all these stages are normal for us to go through, that we need to understand them so we can help ourselves move through them one at a time or back and forth if you have to bounce back and forth, which you often will, but also to recognize all these things in our clients so we can help them navigate through it when they are denying the diagnosis, when they want more proof when they want you to do another test because they're in denial. And then when they get angry, either about the diagnosis or they get mad at somebody in your practice because they didn't treat them in such and such a way, or they get mad at the bill. That's a big one I see with anger 
is they get angry um, at the front desk at the money. And it's not that truly. It's their anger at the situation because they have a sick pet. If we can understand that, we can be better at handling that and not taking it personally and helping our receptionists navigate through that and understanding that the anger is not at the bill and not at the money, but it's at the situation. We want to make sure that there's no guilt around this conversation, that we don't feel guilty and that we don't cause our clients to feel guilty when they go through all these stages. We don't hold the anger against them. We don't hold the denial against them when they start questioning us and not believing our diagnosis. We don't want any guilt. We don't want any judgment. We need to let go of the judgment around, you know, they should have bring it, brought this pet in earlier, or I would have been able to save this pet had they brought it in earlier. And there should be no judgment around grieving. And we don't want to have any regret around this discussion because Regret doesn't serve us when we're grieving. When clients bring up, I should have, I could have, I regret that. These are all emotions that are natural to feel, but we don't want to contribute to that. And we want to learn to alleviate that for them. There is no right way to grieve. And there are no right choices when it comes to a pet passing away or a euthanasia decision. So guilt, judgment, and regret have no place in this discussion and try to remember that. And there's no correct decision in how a client is going to lose a pet, number one. There's no correct way for them to navigate the illness and there's no correct way for them to grieve. And so if we can get rid of those judgments in our heads if the client doesn't want to treat the pet the way we think they should or they can't handle it. You know, a lot of people can't handle things like diabetes. And um, I personally um, adopted a pet one time that was a diabetic and I kept her for 11 months and I had to take care of a diabetic for 11 months. And I really learned as a veterinarian what I'm asking my clients to do. It's not easy. And many people can't handle it. So if they have a diabetic pet that they decide they cannot treat and they decide that euthanasia is the way to go, it's not our job as veterinarians to judge that because we're not the ones that have to navigate this situation. And so being understanding around clients' medical decisions, being understanding around their grief choices being understanding around their euthanasia choices, whether they do it, quote unquote, too early or, quote unquote, they wait longer than we thought they should have. That is not our place. Our place is to guide them and love them through this so they can navigate it properly. And then we will do a better job in our brains of navigating it properly. And it will affect us less if we take out the judgment if we just love these clients and these pets through this grieving process. I would love to hear your comments on this subject. If you have stories around this on ways that people express their grief to you 
or thing, things that you handled very well or things that you may not have handled well in a grief situation, I would love to hear about it. I think it would help your colleagues to understand that we all struggle with this and we don't always make the right decisions and we don't always say the right things and we don't always think through this in the proper way. I want us to have a open dialogue about this because I think it's such a burden in our profession on our veterinarians and our technicians and our receptionists and our lay staff. It is such a burden on our minds. And if we understand that it is all wrapped around love and it is all natural and normal, this grieving process, I think that it's going to make us so much healthier mentally. And I think we're going to be stronger for it. So remember, there's not a correct way to lose your pet and there's not a correct way to grieve. Send me some comments. Let me know how you're feeling. And please talk to somebody if this grief thing is pulling you down because our job is so fabulous and I think this is a really important part of our job and I think it can be a lovely, lovely thing if we handle it correctly and we can really help a lot of people and feel a lot of power around grief if we can just get a handle on it and learn to process it in our own minds and also to help our clients process it. So thanks so much. I hope that by talking about this, you learned something. I certainly did by researching it. And I think it's going to help me going forward. And I hope that it helps you go forward in your practice and do a better job. Because who has a better job than us? I think our job is the best. And I really believe that. So thank you so much, my friends, for joining me and hanging in there with me on this tough tough subject. I will talk to you next week on something hopefully a little bit less intense. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.